So I so vividly remember when I first started working in Boston and I was out of college. I had just graduated. Yay for corporate America, super jazz, wearing the pencil skirt, crushing the business outfit, crushing the business career, even though I was probably losing money on my commute, but I was so, I should have been so excited. And instead I literally left every single day and I called my mother because crying because I couldn't stand my life. That's how much I hated it. And to me, whenever I think of someone struggling with mental health, that is the situation that comes to mind immediately. Without a doubt, no pause. It's not like there was trauma, but to me, that was the that was the low for me. Welcome to Crash Course. This is your weekly podcast brought to you by the Live Unbreakable brand. I'm your host, Live Unbreakable founder and head fitness and nutrition coach, Sean Provost. Alongside me, I have my co-host, strength and conditioning coach, Dan Murray. We're here every single week to give you a crash course in something about health and wellness, diving deep into the science behind diet and exercise. In each episode, we look to provide you with the essentials on important topics and give you the best advice and training mindset shifts, and overall healthier, sustainable living so you can make the best decisions for you and your lifestyle. No fluff, just facts. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Crash Course Podcast. Again, another vulnerable topic here. We're talking about mental health. And for me, it was really important to have this conversation because May, in addition to being Celiac Awareness Month, is also Mental Health Awareness Month. And there are just so many aspects of mental health to really consider that a lot of people probably don't on a daily basis or just kind of skate by or people who are struggling with it can't skate by and they deal with it on a daily basis. And so what I wanted to do today was really start to talk about all of those topics and, you know, how to structure a conversation around it and how to approach your friends about, you know, if they're struggling with mental health, if you're struggling with your mental health, or just taking the stigma away from the conversation entirely. And also I wanted to wrap it around, obviously, nutrition, because that's my passion. That's a a big piece of living unbreakable is matching your nutrition to the mood that you want to have and the mood that you're trying to achieve, right? So We all know that nutrition is a huge part of life, but I think that specific aspect of mental health really gets downplayed. And that's upsetting because it's a huge part of the mental health game is making sure that you are feeding your body. Like think about your, think about your body for a second as like a really expensive car, right? Like a Jag or something. You're not going to put like normal freaking fuel in your car, right? And you're also not going to probably hook it up to like one of the little Tesla things unless it's an uh, electric car and then you might, I don't know. Um, but let's, let's say, um, you drive it and it needs special gas, right? Well, of course it does because it's a special kind of car. So if you think about your body the same way, you're not, you're, if you're trying to achieve this high level of thought or this high level of mood or this high level of athletic achievement, you can't just put in normal gas to your car, right? Like that, that gas tank is not going to be full or something's going to jam. I don't know that much about cars, guys. I think you can tell. But anyways, if you don't treat your body like an expensive car and you give it low premium fuel, it's literally 
it, it crashes your car. It ruins the whole thing. And it's also harmful, right? Which is the worst. And we don't want to do that. We want to treat our body like a temple and we want to treat it like a really expensive car. And we want to be able to put the premium fuel in the tank because that's what we deserve. And as soon as we start to reframe that piece of the puzzle, it gets a lot easier to have that in mind as part of your mental health is eating well. It's not just good for your body. It doesn't just make you feel better, but it actually helps you be better. It helps you compete on a higher level entirely. Even if you're not an athlete, if you're just, you know, a person who works out or you're just getting into the workout game, that's what takes you from what you were yesterday to what you can be tomorrow. So let's back it up just a little bit. And I think I want to start by talking about boundaries. Now, everybody's mental health is different. Every single individual person, even if you are struggling with the same symptoms, even if you're struggling with the same syndrome, even if you're struggling with the same grasping the same concepts of mental health, everyone is at a different stage of mental health. So approaching it that way is really important because you need to understand that What you're going through is different than what somebody else is going through, which is different than what somebody else has already gone through or maybe is about to go through. And you can't compare notes. This isn't like a, I missed my history class and I need to take yours, do you mind kind of conversation. This is a, hey, I can't even read your history notes and I don't even think we're in the same history class, but thanks for trying. Um, So it might be helpful to hear what other people have offered or what they've gone through in their experiences, but you have to be able to put your own take on it and, and take it with a grain of salt and then bring it into your life. So let me, let's talk about boundaries first. And I say that because to me, when I'm thinking about my mental health, and I think this is the reframing piece too, all kind of bundled into one. When someone starts creating boundaries they did not have before, it's natural for everyone around them to be like, oh my gosh, change. This is awful. What are you doing? You're changing. This is bad. But in actuality, it's the other side of the coin. So if someone is creating these boundaries and they're really trying to enforce them, they're not trying to keep you out of their life. It's in fact the opposite. They're trying to create a reality where you can still be a part of their life. It just might be in a different way. And maybe you're used to seeing this one person, you know, every Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and all of a sudden, you know, they're trying to really enforce the boundary of only seeing you on Sunday. Well, that might be a jarring experience for you personally, but maybe they were struggling with something that they couldn't talk to you about or they didn't feel comfortable being vulnerable with you about. Maybe they haven't even been vulnerable with themselves about it yet, but they know that they need that time on Friday and Saturday to themselves. So they start enforcing a boundary. That's not to say, I never want to see you on a Friday or Saturday again. That's to say, hey, I'm struggling and I'm creating a boundary where I feel comfortable seeing you on Sunday. And for me to feel comfortable seeing you on Sunday, I'm not going to see you Friday and Saturday, but I still really appreciate you in my life. And that reframing for you personally, where instead of saying, oh my gosh, you never want to see me. You only want to see me on Sunday. What's wrong with you? Is saying, thank you so much for keeping me in your life and a part of your journey. I really appreciate that. And please let me know if there's anything I can do to help. That's the level of effort and the level of understanding and the commitment and vulnerability that it really takes to support someone with mental health. Now, let's say you're not at that same level and you're not ready to be excited that someone's not going to see you as often as they have been, or you're not excited for somebody to enforce their own boundaries. 
What's important for you is to take that step back. Instead of being so in the weeds with something, take a step back and look at it from a holistic standpoint and say, overall, if you are spending three of four days in a week with one person, maybe there is something that you can develop in your now found free time that can help you grow as a person. So yeah, of course you're going to miss your Friday ritual or your Saturday ritual with this person. But instead of having that negative connotation of, well, now I just don't get to see you. It's, well, I have some time to invest in myself, in my own development and create something really vulnerable for myself. And I get to grow. And that part of it is also really exciting. And if you can see it that way, instead of in a negative light, you're going to have a much easier time understanding other people's boundaries as they develop them, which is a phenomenal skill for anybody to have. (laughs) Which takes me to my next point about reframing. So reframing, definitely easier said than done. And I don't want to make light of that. And also, I want to say I'm not a mental health professional. And, you know, everything I'm saying, definitely take with a grain of salt And this isn't meant to be like, if you're really struggling with mental health, you know, these are the ways to go about it. That's not it at all. This is more of a guideline of if you feel like you might be struggling with mental health, here are some of the things that I know have helped me in my past when I was struggling with mental health, or if I have a bad mental health day that can help me feel better and get back to a really good place. So when you're talking about reframing, Let's think of a really bad situation, right? Let's say you get into a car accident. That car accident has so many other repercussions down the line. It's like this wall of dominoes that falls down, right? And it's bad and it's it's a negative experience. But instead of seeing it as all bad and turning your reality into this negative, awful situation, you can turn it into a positive. So, you know, if you're talking about your car accident, you were not deadly, deathly injured, right? So you you probably, if you're still talking about it, right, you didn't die, that's great. But if you can reframe it to say, wow, that was life-changing. This happened to me. It was out of my control. And now moving forward, instead of looking at it as a negative situation, turn it into a positive. You're still doing really well. You are now healthy. You can now look back on that experience and say, you know, these are the things that I can change. Maybe some of these are the things that I can help the community change. Maybe these are some of the lessons that I've learned. Maybe I can write a blog about how to find a new car. Maybe I can write a blog about gap insurance. Maybe I can learn and develop in my own way about insurance as a whole, or understanding the car buying process, or how to haggle, right? So there's all of this opportunity that we see in the moment as probably super negative, right? You don't want to have to buy a new car. You were fine with your old car. But now you get to buy a new car, or you get to go through a new process with someone. And all of the things that are happening in your life create an experience that allows you to grow. Whatever kind of experience you're looking for. If you're looking for a negative experience and everything that's happening in your life is negative, well, then yeah, of course, everything that you're going through now is going to be negative. But if you can take that step back and reframe, take a deep breath. Yes, it's frustrating. Yes, it's awful. Yes, it's negative. But it's only one piece of your entire life journey. One small piece. Then in a couple of years, you're going to look back at it and be like, oh yeah, I think that's when I got into my accident. Or maybe something did change dramatically and you lost a limb. 
that's still an opportunity for you to say, my life drastically changed and I had an option to either take it forward and look at it as an opportunity, or I can look at it as a negative. And when you look at things in, in the positive light, what you'll notice is that everything around you also starts to be more positive. You change your reality by believing that it's better. And that's not like a hoodoo voodoo, like, oh, if you think things are good, things are always going to be good. You probably would have always gotten into that accident. But if you can frame it by saying, hey, like that was a really bad experience, but it was just one piece of it. And the sum of all of the pieces of your journey equal the entire thing, right? This one car accident wasn't your whole journey. It was one piece of your journey. And now you get to try all these new things and have these new experiences. Maybe it's time to have a new car. Maybe it's time to try a new brand. Maybe it's so that you and your friend can go road tripping to find your perfect car, right? If you can make the experience positive in some way, instead of just, oh, this is so frustrating and annoying. Now, how am I going to get to work without a car? It turns into this, maybe you are meant to experience this because it was something you were taking for granted. You didn't even realize how much you were driving. And now that you can't, you realize how reliant you were on either being independent or how reliant you now have to be on public transportation. And it gives you a unique view on not only your life, but the lives of others too. So that reframing is really important. And a lot of the work that I did when I was in therapy for depression and for mental health was working around those kinds of experiences. It's not always a car accident, right? Sometimes it's just you didn't get the job you wanted, or you're really struggling with your self-image, or you're struggling because you haven't found a passion in your life yet. And so you're just kind of like bumping along, trying to figure out what to do, and you're not feeling that drive from something. Well, the only limit that you have in your life is you. You are your only limit. And I wholeheartedly mean that because if you're not willing to accept less than, then you will always 100% achieve more than because you have an expectation for yourself. You have a, a goal to reach and you have an idea of success. Then there is nothing, zero things stopping you from achieving it except for you. You put those limits in place and you can clear them out just as easily, but you have to want to, and you have to believe that you can. That is reframing. That is understanding that where you are is not the epitome of all that you are. Where you are is not the epitome of all that you are. You are the sum of all of your experiences, good and bad. You have a, de you have a decision every single day to wake up and be more than. And that's what I want for you. That's what you deserve. That's what everybody deserves is to have that moment of clarity where, yeah, life can be really, really sucky. There can be moments where you are at the pit of despair, but you can climb out of it. You can fashion a rope. You can make a ladder. You can ask for help. You can get somebody else's ladder. You can borrow someone else's rope. You can take somebody else's steps until you realize you can build your own staircase. And so all of those pieces together, it took me a long time. It took me a lot of journaling, a lot of affirmations, a lot of manifestations, and a lot of really sitting down and being uncomfortable with where I was to realize that I really didn't want that for the rest of my life. I deserve to be happy. I wanted to be happy. And now I am. I get to do what I love every single day. 
because I made that happen. I took away my limits of, well, I can't do it or I'm not good enough or imposter syndrome or all of these other things. And I said, no, I can do this and I am going to do this. And oh, here I am doing it. And it really is literally on the very baseline, that simple. It's going to take you a minute to get there. It's not an overnight thing you can achieve, but it is wholeheartedly worth it. And that's what really makes this whole thing so, so important to me is knowing that I was there. I was, I was at the bottom. I was thinking all of these awful things. I don't even want to say some of them out loud about myself, about my life. And I got up and I fixed it and I moved on. And now I'm here and I cannot tell you guys how happy I am that I did that. And yes, I had a lot of help to get here. So the other thing that I really wanted to talk about is obviously the nutritional tie for depression and mental health. And seriously, your brain is on 24-7. So there is no time for your brain to be off and recover. It's not like a computer. You can't shut it off. You can't restart it if it's stuck. And when you think about your brain that way, you need to hit REM sleep for so many minutes per night for you to really cleanse your brain with cerebral fluid to turn off all of the thought processes that you need so that you can give it that rest because otherwise the next day you're groggy and you're lethargic and it's awful. So the quality of food realistically is what's the most important, right? Because high quality foods and nutrient dense foods have a lot of vitamins, minerals, and antioxidants that help to nourish your brain and your body, but also protect it from oxidative stress. And that's the waste or the free radicals that are produced when the body uses oxygen. So free radicals essentially are like these, like they're molecules with unpaired electrons for the scientific ones of us. They're unstable atoms that damage cells and cause illness and aging. You're welcome. But that's, this is your new word of the day, free radicals. Sounds like it's a good thing, really bad. So your body needs to get rid of the free radicals, um, which are just produced naturally, right? Which just damage your cells. And the only way to do that is by eating nutrient-dense foods. So if I think back to when I was super depressed, when I was calling my mom every single day after work, literally bawling, like I would not even leave my office. Ladies and gentlemen, I was parting my hair on the different side of my head. I like pinned my bangs back. I was wearing new outfits. I was talking with an accent for days at a time and no one noticed we're talking and like, I I would get my job done obviously. And like, you know, I was sitting next to people. This was before COVID was a thing. Virtual was not an option. I was working so hard and nothing I did mattered to me is what I saw. I never, you know, I didn't get a one-on-one with my boss. I didn't get to talk to the people next to me. They never noticed when I changed things. And to me, that was, that was so insane. I was invisible That's how I felt. But I was treating myself like that too. I wasn't working out consistently. I wasn't eating a nutrient-dense diet. I wasn't talking to myself positively. So how could I expect other people to do that if I wasn't doing that for myself? So back to nutrients and brains. (laughs) So um, when you think about nutrient-dense foods, it's almost the opposite end of the spectrum as refined sugar diet. So diets that are super high in refined sugars are really, really harmful to our brain. Not only are we teaching our brain to look for that now and to be reliant on that sugar, but it worsens your body's regulation of insulin, which also 
at the same time, promotes inflammation and oxidative stress. So going back to that free radical situation, you're producing more free radicals, which is bad for you, if you have a diet in highly refined sugars. And there's so many studies out there now, I mean, maybe 10 years ago, no, but now that have found a correlation between a diet that's high in refined sugars and impaired brain function, and also a worsening of symptoms of mood disorders like depression. Which, I mean, if you're thinking about it, right, your brain is deprived of good quality nutrition because you're busy feeding it stuff that's high in sugar. Or if the free radicals are damaging inflammatory cells um, are circulating in your brain's enclosed space. Like there's not a lot of stuff up there, right? It's just your brain. So if you have a lot of free radicals up there, they're just aging your brain unnecessarily. How terrifying is that? You have no control over that. So you're just contributing to brain tissue injury and really you're just doing yourself no favors. Like it might feel good to have a diet of high refined sugars, or it might just be like where you're at right now. And I'm not judging you. That's fine. I have literally been there. I'm no one to judge. But now that you know, you should be able to make that change and you should want to make that change. So because the medical industry as a whole just kind of like avoided the conversation between mood and food for such a long time, there have been a lot of studies in the past five or 10 years that have really dove deeper into your gut microbiome and how your brain works. And so the, the vagus nerve that communicates between your brain and your gut and then your gut and your brain also back to you deals with stress. When you're stressed, you know, it impacts your gut. And when you are stressed, your gut acts differently and also contributes to more stress. It's the same thing with mood disorders and with mental health. If you're not taking care of yourself nutritionally, you're also probably not taking care of yourself in a lot of other ways, all of which combined impacts you in a much more negative, much harder way. So here's my challenge to you guys for, I know this is the end of Mental Health Awareness Month, but I challenge you to reach out to at least one person in your life that you know you can be vulnerable to and just thank them for supporting you, even if they didn't know that they were. Just say thank you to them and let them know that they were a part of something that you didn't necessarily clue them into, but they were there for. And I promise you, they will say almost the same thing back. If you are close friends with this person, you have probably seen them through stresses that you didn't even know that they had either. And that's what makes this special. That's what makes this all worth it. So for Mental Health Awareness Month, everybody, just understand that everybody is going through something. Maybe you've been there. Maybe you haven't. Maybe you don't really understand it. But if you don't understand it, there are so many resources, including on the Live Unbreakable website. And I challenge you to dive in, take a deep breath, be ready to be vulnerable, and then find strength in that vulnerability. And if you're struggling with mental health, please reach out to a mental health professional. That's what they're there for. They want to help you and you deserve to have the help that you need to get back to a good place. Thanks for listening, everybody. I will talk to y'all next week. We hope you all enjoyed this episode of Crash Course by Live Unbreakable. 
And if we made you smile or stop to think about something in a new way, go ahead and screenshot, post, or share this episode so we can get your feedback and share more knowledge with the world. Now get out there, eat, train, live, and subscribe to our Crash Club podcast. So you never miss a beat and be sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn to keep up with all things. Live on break.